BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to Invasion of Privacy. I'm Kate. And I'm Fuji. And today we have guest Rob Ryan is with us. Hi, how are you both today? Yes, wonderful. Thank <laughs> you for coming. Thank you for having me, guys. I appreciate it. You're quite welcome. And I want to say, so I haven't seen you in years. I know. You are kind of representing the Jesus look a bit. Have you gotten that? Yeah. Uh, in fact, I've been on the road um, several times with <clears throat> Steve Hofstetter. I've uh, done yeah. a lot of uh, stints with him. And we'll do these like two or three week stints at a time. And then he does a built-in Q&A section so that he can get some uh, some clips of some interactions. And, and it comes up a lot during the Q&A and stuff to the point where it's just like, I'm always, like, he has a canned response for some of these questions. I'm always trying to come up with something different. And then it's always unusable because it's always the same thing over and over again. <laughs> and I don't think I've ever showed you Steve Hofstetter's stand-up, but it's hard to describe because like, I feel like in the comedy scene, you just know Steve. He runs the Laughing Devil Comedy yeah. Festival. And it's interesting because I wrote down comedy festivals as one of the topics but do you still do festivals, by the way? That's a great question. I haven't done one in a very long time. It uh, it hasn't really, you know, because I think there's like a couple of different reasons why you would do one. And I'm not really at the level where they're like ringing me up to be their special guest. Okay. Uh, I'm also not like looking to try to like win some contest anymore or, or whatever dregs of other barely considered festivals that there are. I think the last one I did, which was really cool, uh, was still several years ago, and that was Skankfest. I actually did a naked roast battle, and that was great. I actually really liked the way that whole thing was run. It was super cool. You got like- You were fully naked? Uh, yeah, yeah, fully naked. And everybody was fully naked. The judges were fully naked. Everybody battling was fully naked. It was super respectful too. I mean, a room of like two, maybe 300 people, not a single cell phone, because they were like, you know, very, very strict about it. So it was really cool. It felt very just like, hey, whatever happens here, happens here. It'll be, it'll live on in our memories and that's it. And I thought that was really pretty cool. When you, when you actually were selected to be part of any one of the shows, you got this really sweet goodie bag. So you got paid, but in the goodie bag was like a hundred dollar bill, some weed, <laughs> condoms. It was like this just ridiculous. <laughs> Hey, but was, uh, all right, so shout out to those guys for running a really fun comedy festival. But all the other ones, you know, not, not you know, there's really nothing much to write home about. So 
are condoms just like a gag gift now don't use them anymore i feel like they went they went out of style after snoop dogg <laughs> I feel like i feel like they're really in style for a while like everybody wraps it up it's the cool thing to do but then after a while people are like this is not cool but you and you have to stop. context to it because if you are having casual sex mm-hmm. like i think people are using condoms because that can be the only way to like not get a real disease do we not have anything better than that yet so dated. for stds for pregnancy obviously yes but for stds i think a condom's like the only thing yeah. you have so what about how you, you saying think- that is just like i know what you're saying but like that's coming from someone who's like monogamous and we've both been tested someone yeah. who's just out there swinging their dick or puss around they need to wrap it up well, like how otherwise that's morning... Russian roulette with your privates. Can't they? Isn't there like a pill where like you can swallow it and they'll, it'll just kill your sperm for the day? <laughs> Has anyone made that yet? Uh, I totally want to make that if no one's done it yet. There is some kind of male birth control that's in pill form that's on the market and it uh, it hasn't been doing great. I think that uh, the side effects the men aren't aren't putting up with they're not happy men just like, aren't that responsible like women are much more responsible so the birth control falls on them but like men just aren't that responsible so i feel like even if it's like a spray under your tongue you forget <laughs> spray well, under your tongue kind I, I think that even the perception of men would be enough for a woman to be like wait are you are you taking the pill every day oh yeah yeah, yeah i'm definitely taking <laughs> i couldn't be trusted i couldn't be trusted with a pill no you could be i think you'd be one of the few men that would because i think because i'm totally horrified of having a child a child with without having the finances to properly support yes my fear of having a child would drive my ocd to take the pill every day but i feel like your fear is based on finances I just That's need to do that because otherwise I'd be pregnant yesterday. You have a kid though, Kate. So what would what, how did that come to pass? <laughs> Something well, happened. Shane was not planned. You know what I mean? So, and I think that's, and you have a child. And I think when you have one that you weren't financially at that place ready, it teaches you like, Oh, you need to be ready in many different areas before you have a kid. Yeah, Which is pretty obvious when you say it, but like. Weren't you guys trying out the lambskin condoms and that's what happened? CG, no. That's not they, have, they have that condoms, though, right? That's the thing. We were talking about it as if we don't know, and yet you guys both have kids. <laughs> that's true. Um, he just thinks it's funny that like lambskin condoms existed. I don't I don't know if they, I haven't like, seen lambskin condoms. Some people any, supermarket i think that was a thing i think it that was. was a thing but like it wasn't but it, like, it, it prevented pregnancy but people said you could still get stds with the lambskin condoms no, i didn't know that that's what i heard from my mother i believe <laughs> so they do prevent the pregnancy that's the major thing to me i either learned from her or like our health ed teachers but there was someone who like knew facts but wait i want to i just need to fix this because i said laughing devil festival i meant laughing skull it's oh. a skull festival i just because if steve somehow listens to this i i didn't want him upset because he's the, given me some good opportunities the so. lambskin <laughs> condoms are they itchy like you know if you wear a wool hat 
<laughs> right, that's true. I, a wool hat. Like, I can't wear a wool hat, and so I don't know if I could wear the lambskin. Plus, you got to shear them every spring, so that's a big thing. That's true. That's true. Mm. But, like, if it's more comfortable, gee, <laughs> I would have been rocking those back in the day. <laughs> and they'll be like, oh, that's so, about the lambskin uh, condoms. Okay, let me let me move on topics to your solo show, because I do want to hear about what you're doing, what you're putting together. You said it's linked to two years ago when you were on my show that I had Dragon Sorcery. You shared, and I also kind of, if you don't mind sharing what you shared, it was really yeah. funny <laughs> and deep and moving. So you shared a fun but deep and not fun um i guess it would be almost like joke slash storytelling is what yeah. you shared and then you got a tower reading so you said it affected because i kind of felt this was coming through so i just want to hear about your show and if you want to link it to dragon sorcery by all means it would make me feel I so good <laughs> <laughs> so um i had back in like late 2018 2019 um finished uh an album and then i released that album and there was sort of this uh feeling and thought and reckoning that i was like okay well i guess i just start compiling the new material and then coming up with effectively another hour of stand-up but that really didn't speak to me too much either and uh i'd also been going through a particularly like rough period in my life. There was just a lot of uh, tragedy and, and things happening to me and around me. And so I just started to uh, try to figure out a way to mine some of the more uh, personal experiences and stories in my life and try to come up with some comedy around it. And it was around that time that I did catch wind of, of your show, Kate, that you were doing at New York Comedy Club at the time, and then I wanted to check it out, and I saw one, and I really liked the show, and I liked the structure of it, uh, and then I forget if I already had a slot on it or if I talked to you about it that, that night, but then the one thing that I did notice was that some of the comics were, they just treated it like almost as if it was any other show where they was just like because i think the point of it was like we'll come with some material things that are really you know bothering you or on your mind you can talk about it on stage and then kate was going to do a tarot card and do like a healing cool. and it was it, yeah i thought the idea was great and then you know comics uh, need need healing and but then a lot of comics i saw i was like well i know that person they just basically did their 10 minute yeah. set and at the very tail end, there was like 30 seconds of like, oh, and then me and my boyfriend got into a fight or something like that. <laughs> and then you talk about it. Yeah. And I truly, I was like, this is awesome. I love this structure of this show. But when I do it, which maybe was like a month from then, I said, but when I do it, I really want to have like the entire set to be just suffused with with this the stuff that I'm, I'm feeling and going through. And so I already had a couple of jokes laid out because I'd already been dabbling with some jokes about my mother's alcoholism when I was growing up and the fact that I don't drink alcohol and how that's linked and stuff. But then there were um, other things going on as well. There was this, you know, depression that I was going through and um, I just lost my uh, brother, Tim, uh, you know, a couple of years uh, back. And uh, my mother has also since passed away. And I was like, well, I want to go into this stuff and try to make it as fun as possible. But I thought if there was ever a show where I could kind of ride both lines and I think the audience might go with me, it would be this. And so I think it was about a 10 minute set. 
and then the tarot reading after that and everything and i remember was- the audience being like oh like you you brought it and i was impressed too i was like oh he because you like you said you fell into the show you mm-hmm. saw some of the comics doing their typical set and when you came up even i was like oh he's doing this you know you you put out what you were going through but it was still funny you made sure you had you know those moments it wasn't just like oh shit like all drama you know (laughs) which I wouldn't have minded honestly but like I tried to make the comedy stage something where it doesn't just have to be laughs but it still fits like I didn't want to make it where there's no laughs and then Emilio's like get out of New York comedy club (laughs) like go off Broadway you know but Yeah. um, yeah no I appreciated I remember your sharing as like oh whoa and I remember the audience too being like kind of gasping in a good way like whoa he's sharing some real shit yeah exactly and maybe I was dabbling with a couple of those jokes maybe a story here or there but I had not really dedicated an entire set to allowing like letting the audience know that like well you're not going anywhere and this is just going to keep on you know going we're going to keep on going deeper and uh, but the reaction afterwards and this uh, was so, you know, I've done I've already been doing stand up for many years. Uh, I've had a lot of uh, successes still. Uh, you mentioned, you know, festivals before I'd even won the Boston Comedy Festival only like maybe a year or two back before then. Congratulations. Contest with a, with a big prize. So like you've, I've had some uh, uh, some of my laurels and I felt good about shows that I've done. I've certainly had conversations with com- or with the uh, audience members afterwards, but this just was by and large different immediately. Uh, there were, you know, someone, some woman gave me a hug. Some other person was like telling me about their experiences with, uh, with, with either drug abuse or their family's drug abuse. And this wasn't a big crowd. I mean, maybe it was 20, like 30 people in the, in the crowd. Right. So it's not like this huge, wasn't packed 120 people. Yeah. And yet there was all this connection. And so it really was, to my memory, that show that made me like really go, I really have to double down on this. Um, I'm making sort of connections with the crowd while still I was able to entertain them. This was fun and funny, but uh, I've never really reacted. I've never really interacted with the crowd like this after a show. And so I just want to keep on mining this as much as I could. And what that over the next couple of years eventually developed into is this uh, 90 minute solo show called Mascot that I now do get to put up off Broadway at the Soho Playhouse this December. Awesome. That's huge. It's 90 minutes. It's just for 90 minutes straight. 90 minutes straight. No lambskin, just straight, you know, Uh. (laughs) lambskin. Yeah. It's a big big deal. (laughs) Uh, and, And this is something that like, so it's not like I haven't headlined before. So it's like not headlining. What is like max an hour? I feel like yeah. usually max an hour. So exactly. like ninety is a stretch. Mm-hmm. And even just allowing your vocal cords to last that long, because I know after headlining, I was like having. To I get tired rest. watching a ninety-minute movie. Yeah. Like, let alone me actually doing something for ninety full minutes. I, yeah. No. No. I. I... You, everything on all accounts you're right i remember the first time i had done because i started writing this but keep in mind the timing of this so this was like again in 2019 late 2019 so now i'm starting to develop this material try to get it up as best i can and of course 
you know, everything closes down uh, shortly thereafter. And luckily I had enough uh, experience under my belt to have tested this stuff out as best I could, the funny parts. And then I really took to going over these Zoom calls. I had some writers groups, friends of mine, and what they were doing is they were doing scripts. So it's like I made met with like six or seven other people and everyone brought in eight to 10 pages. Maybe you've been a part of writing groups like this yourself. And we all take parts and we read. And I asked my friend Bethany, I said, you know, I have something, but it's not really a script with dialogue. It's just a solo show that I'm working on. And then I would be the one to read it. Is that okay? And uh, it was funny because she, you know, I think she was right with it, but her partner like hemmed and hawed a little bit. She was like, well, that's not the point of this. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. Can, you, can I just do the thing? And so I started developing the, the like, large chunks of this show by just showing up every week, reading like four or five, pay, a couple of minutes at a time, getting some feedback. And I developed sort of the, uh, the storytelling aspects of it as much as I could via Zoom. I did my first full reading of the thing via Zoom. It was about a hundred, it was like a hundred plus minutes at that point. Talk about losing your voice. Afterwards, I'm just exhausted. My my voice is shot. And so you're right, it takes a ton of stamina um, and just some kind of uh, a lot of preparation and just making sure that you're you're just physically able to do that. And then speaking to your point, uh, yeah, it, it, you have to keep their attention for for, an, for a movie's worth. What's of, it about, if you don't mind me asking, without giving away too much? Well, of course. So, um, so like I started to mention, what I what I started to realize that this show was going to be about was that um, a lot of the material that I had developed already was about my childhood and growing up with this uh, alcoholic parent. And it was my mother who was the alcoholic, which always felt a bit bizarre and, and unique to people. And even when I told would tell people they'd always kind of respond almost flippantly like wow it's never the mom that's so <laughs> so strange <clears throat> and then as i started to develop that more i was also personally just going through a lot myself and a lot of that was uh coming from the fact that uh, my older brother uh, my oldest brother uh, he had struggled through so much of his adult life uh, with depression himself. And, you know, I always felt like that me and my two older brothers, we were so close growing up and we went through such, you know, such a shit childhood, but we felt like we were kind of growing into each other and that as long as we had each other, we were going to be all right. And we still had these like you know, big plans that our lives were going to be something else and we'd, we'd grow out of this shit. So it was just that much more uh, heartbreaking to me that that I wasn't recognizing it as a kid, but all this stuff is is seeping into us, into our heads and our hearts. And um, and my brother Tim may have gotten just the worst of it. And, and he was, he really suffered ever since he was a teenager significantly. And then just watching him uh, struggle and suffer as an adult without the substance abuse part of it though uh kind of allowed me to almost witness because i'd lost my mother when i was 19 so i never really got to maybe uh truly as an adult get to see her through that lens i know sometimes people do when they do have uh you know abusive or alcoholic parents sometimes as an adult strangely when you're when you're away from that you gain this perspective, not that it, it was okay, but you almost kind of get it a little bit more. You're like, shit, you, <laughs> there's a lot of stress and, and shit in your life 
And uh, I don't think that you did a good job raising us, but I kind of maybe have a different understanding of you now that I'm an adult. But I never really even got to have that with my mother, but I did get to experience my brother suffer and struggle and deteriorate throughout his adult life. And so I started to kind of gain this empathy for her or sort of understand a piece of maybe some of what she was going through inwardly to have abused her you know, body so much with alcohol, uh, but through my brother, Tim. And then uh, eventually and ultimately, um, we wound up losing him as well. And uh, he uh, took his own life by, every, by all accounts, by everything that I can point to. And uh, it was something that, it sort of was this time release thing for me. Uh, I was very much just in this uh, emergency mode shock situation for the next year or two, where I'm just trying to plant my feet down. And then there was a point by which like the whole, all the bottom just comes out from under me. And I was just at the lowest that I had ever been. And I thought that I was, at, I said, well, this is the worst thing that I could possibly ever go through. And uh, objectively, yes. And the universe the is like, I can make it lower. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, you think you seem bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the universe likes to take us to the bottom sometimes. <laughs> It's kind of a Phoenix. It's it is Phoenix energy of like the the resurrectiony thing of can you yeah. come up from this? But whoa, yeah, the struggle. Oh yeah, I'm no, sorry that no, you makes had you such a tough life, but it, it does makes make you badass. badass. Coming back from stuff. Yeah, exactly. uh, yeah. Never never say you hit rock bottom because then the the universe will be like, oh, well, hold my beer. I can I can. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, but so that was exactly where. Uh, and then I started, like I said, just going through the, the, the worst, most depressive and suicidal experience I ever had in my life. And this just went on for years and it was just unbelievable how. While in comedy too, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And the every you're going on stage, having to like, bring, put the face on. Yeah. While, cause I can relate. I, I, I hit a big time low and it was happening while I was having to go on stage and pull it together. And it's. It's pretty crazy. I mean, you can do it. It's just, it's nuts. It was, it was even almost worse than that because, um, because then like I had planted a lot of seeds and, and, and so things actually started like happening for me that weren't before. So <laughs> my, my comedy career up to that point was thriving in a way that it never had before. I was the most miserable that I'd ever been before. Uh, I remember I was doing a show in Timonium, if you remember the Magoobies there in, in outside of Baltimore. And there was two shows and I literally just do it. I, it was just a feature spot. So I was doing like my 30 minutes. I went back to my car, just fucking just sobbing in my car <laughs> just for the next hour and a half until the late show. And then I was like, All right, I got to go back on stage. And I just went back. And that, I, that, that was fucking was, horrible. It was so bad. And then people afterwards were like, you're great. That was so funny. You know, I'll take a picture. And I and, and swear to God, I, I remember I called my other brother. I called my friends and be like, I was like, is this what it's about? Like, do, do I have to be like, is this why I'm doing as well as I am right now? Because I don't give a shit. Like, I'm so over it. I'm so done. I don't give a fuck about the crowd, about anything I've written. Everything's so stupid. It's all meaningless. 
But for some reason, is that energy of me, like, you know, almost flicking a cigarette, not giving a shit, is, is, is somehow that shining through that all of a sudden everybody's just like, wow, this guy doesn't give a fuck. Like, we need to <laughs> we love this guy. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I was like, that can't be, right? That can't. I was like having a fucking meltdown because I was like, this, that's not fair. I mean, it's, not, it's like the Twilight Zone episode with the guy breaking his glasses and he's got all the books in the world. I'm like, it's not, this isn't fair. No way. So that was a big, that was a big scary moment uh, for me. I don't even rewriting mascot as this was happening, like that, uh, or one, you know, was that? I know that it. I'm believing mascot is about all of this, mm -hmm. but I'm wondering if you were writing it as it was happening, or if you wrote it when you kind of came through. Yeah, you know what? Um, so the the. The vast majority of it was definitely conceived of and written while I was still going through uh, probably the worst of it. So, you know, that comedic brain, I'm still kind of absorbing a lot of this stuff and a lot of the experiences that I'm having, maybe not funny yet, but a lot of it is what winds up being in the show. The entire first act is really about my childhood with my mother and the second act is, um, getting into my brother as an adult, our relationship, and then ultimately losing him. And then the third act gets into pretty much this time period that I'm talking about now, which was like my, you know, what, what I have to start dealing with and reckoning uh, with uh, then. And then, so the whole third act is really about this, you know, several years uh, period in my life where uh, I am just unable to comprehend everything that's happening to me and the whole show as an arc is really supposed to be about uh, empathy in that I could from a very far distance you know I, I couldn't understand as a kid at all what was what my mother was going through I was just I was in survival mode and she was an antagonist in my life and even when she passed away, there was a large amount of relief, just that this fear and this, you know, this danger wasn't going to continually be a thing. Um, and then, like I said, as I watched my brother go through some of the same pains that I'm sure my mother suffered through, but without some of that, without that drug abuse and without that, you know, just my mother was very outward she just took all her pain and lashed out at people my brother took everything on the chin anything that went wrong it was just all inward and so i but then i lost him and then i'm like well that's sad and i i i feel bad for both of them but it wasn't until i started to just feel like i needed to just exit this world too until i really got a sense of just maybe a sense <laughs> of how maybe my brother had felt and maybe my mother had felt. And so as I slowly kind of started to crawl out of that, that's unfortunately what gave me, you know, the perspective that I kind of needed in order to understand them both a little bit better. And the way I sort of uh, like to frame the show or bookend it is that I never drink. I've never drank alcohol and I've never had those substance problems, but I fucking love ex addicts. I think that they're just so cool. They have this like wisdom to their, to, they just have this like way of being and acting. And and I've always wanted to be an ex addict because I'm just like so cool. <laughs> talking to Yoda. I love I love them. Just the way they are. I'm like, but I, and I always wonder like, can I 
somehow have the swagger of an ex addict without the whole like I ruined my life part? Like, is there you like can a- skip the addict part? <laughs> yeah, like, I can't do what you're trying to do. So I don't know, man. Unless I don't know, man. Maybe you can. Maybe no, you, can. you you have the vibes, and here's why. It's really about hitting- he has the vibes of an ex addict. Yes, which is a compliment here because it's the vibes <laughs> of someone who's hit a rock bottom and had to see what that's like and get out of it it's really just like seeing life from a perspective that maybe you didn't think you'd see it from because you never expected to be so low you know like and I know I'll just speak for myself I won't speak for you but you know I growing up even though I didn't have an easy childhood and was and was depressed I didn't even fully know I was depressed you know what I mean like I think that cheerleader smile you yeah like I was in I was was in that mode and then um, never thought I would hit a low, but really what it was was just unraveling certain defenses. You know, I just I didn't know that when I was thinking, oh, I'm always going to be happy and together and successful. You know, and then when you're in the low, you're like, oh, I'm that person. And especially when you're like also doing comedy, it's a mind fuck. Makes me think of Robin Williams. You know, yeah. I I think of that often when just talking about situations like this because fame and all that doesn't mean anything if you're not in a good place if you're in a good place and you're having it I'm sure it's wonderful (laughs) but if you're you know if, if all these other things are feeling off it's just almost a curse you know so I think it's cool that you went through it that you channeled it we'll get into some lighter topics too (laughs) this is this is what i've been steeped in for a while and it has not been it's not been uh sad or depressing to me it's it's a good it's a good thing and and to speak to both your points yeah that that that's exactly what hopefully winds up being the sort of uh resurrection of the show which is that uh there's a realization that by 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 going through this version of hell, you know, maybe, maybe I don't have that ex addict swagger, but there's, there's, but there's a piece of it, you know, that I've, that I've sort of chunked off. Uh, and I go, okay, that's, that's something at least. And uh, so that's, that's where a lot of like the heart of the show uh, tries to lie in. And these themes of sort of breaking this uh, generational trauma that you, that, uh, because my mother was just a, she grew up in an abusive alcoholic household herself. And uh, uh, and then I like to quip where my grandfather, I don't really care. He's just an asshole. I mean, we can, we can stop the empathy train at some point. We don't have to keep on going back generations. We can just pretend he's a piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> and I think that's cool to say stuff like that and be blunt sometimes. One of my topics and I- bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly. When you place your first wager at bet MGM, simply download the bet MGM app and sign up using code champion 150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wagers outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions. Same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. 
new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. I am going to link it to this. Is yeah. I don't know if you heard Doja Cat's new song, Paint the Town Red. It's causing some controversy, and I'm just bringing it up as art being a form of expression, whether or not you like that song. You know, sometimes when you're going through it, you're carrying a lot of anger. Sometimes it's just through art that you're able to survive that place. Um, I know you wrote a book at your low point. That's brilliant, you know, and I think sometimes it actually keeps you alive. You know, that expression. Yeah, yeah, it kept me sane. Yeah. When you're going through that and you have all these complex thoughts that are hard to share or maybe impossible to share in that moment mm -hmm. sometimes you know you pick your art form whether it's comedy rapping writing a book writing a play you know and I I think with Doja Cat whether because her video that goes with it is very devil themed I don't mind it I see it as a form of expression what oh. was that one song it's like a major song where it's like the devil symphony Right, Symphony of the Devil. Like, this is not the first oh, time. Sympathy for the Devil? Sympathy. I'm just saying, like, it's not the first time we've talked about the devil in yeah. a song. And in the Kabbalistic tree of life, devil equals malchut, which is just manifested reality. It becomes the devil when you don't know how to navigate your desires as a human. And I think a lot of our parents, in terms of healing generational trauma, I think that generation didn't have the tools that we're starting to have of even expression and sharing. I think mm -hmm. they suppressed and were told to suppress, to suppress so much that it came out really jagged. Like when I hear people had a decent childhood, I'm more shocked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what do you fuck you? We were friends before this. <laughs> I mean, you know, anybody who says they really have a decent So every now and then someone's like, oh, I had a great childhood. And I'm just like, I almost like don't know how to relate at all. I'm just like, because mm -hmm. you feel weird. I just don't even believe it. I feel like I feel like that generation, because everyone's connected, like there's still so much trauma we're just healing in general that's been passed down. And like each generation maybe gets a little more evolved. I think now we're in a huge jump where of all ages, if you choose to want to evolve and face your blind spots, you know, if you just want to grow past certain things, you can. Not everyone's choosing to, whatever. But I think... Yeah, I love I people just, wanting to look and evolve. And I think now we're at a time and we're still feeling Lionsgate energy if you're into all that, that if you want to evolve, which I don't know why someone wouldn't want to, but you know, you can. I just, When I feel like I, I had a little bit of a fucked up one, whenever I feel like <laughs> that, I'm like, there were times though where there was like wars and like famine like there were some really shitty times i mean and so like yeah so, so and we're I, still healing i don't necessarily want to say bad or good either way <laughs> there were some bad aspects but like mm -hmm. there were some pretty shitty times <laughs> yeah. like in the times where people just tried to kill you for like a like a chicken you know what i mean or like you are really in danger all the fucking time those mm -hmm. were, no, those were, it was probably That's hard not to my time to be. It was alive. hard to parent. I don't think I'd ever choose to manifest. I would get 
a serious UTI first day alive medieval <laughs> times, I'd be out. Do you know what like I mean? I would be like, I'll oh, manifest when it's a little easier. I feel like that's <laughs> the only time in history where I would be a useful parent or guardian. <laughs> time where people might come and kill you for stuff and then you just <laughs> the hammer. Like the hammer is the the best tool that you can use. That's the best weapon of the time. Oh my so like god! Just a blunt object. I feel That's like I'd be a great, the hammer. that that would be my time in history to be like a great parent or patriot. Yeah, that wasn't my time. <laughs> no, my dad clubbed him. It's oh it's god. okay. The guy almost murdered us, but dad clubbed him. Well, maybe otherwise in history, like I wasn't born at the right time. You know what yes, I mean? Yes, you are. There's other places in the world you can live, live right now if you want to. It's not even a matter of time. It's about <laughs> go to Haiti, go to Ukraine. You can. There's plenty of like go to the Congo if you want to. If you want to be the hammer dude, Congo. I would die so fast. <laughs> no, it couldn't be now because they even now they have like sharpened knives and arrows and stuff. Oh, like, oh, it see. has to be like very primitive. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Very yes, primitive. Yes. You just whack someone with something heavy. That mm -hmm. time. exactly. A little time <laughs> exactly after that, that, I'm useless. No. A little bit. Give it. Yeah. Give it fifty, hundred years after that, totally useless. You have such an evolved mind. That didn't get yeah. me anywhere. Oh, is that not funny to say? Sometimes <laughs> I'm just too. I I got a writing job from this one like parent place for three months, and they would send back the notes on like the jokes I wrote. They'd be like too earnest in all caps. And I was like, dang, like, I'm a sincere person. Some I don't get sarcasm, which sometimes I do, but like, I'm, it goes over my head. And I think it's because like, I'm always, I'm working on it though. I'm trying to be a sarcasm detector and, and roll with it. That's really funny you say that because I mean, as someone who does like to joke around a lot and sometimes like it all dip into like how wry I can be with my jokes. I usually try to like telegraph them a little bit because I don't like pranking people. I don't like lying to people. I just kind of like, you know, being a little tongue in cheek. But when people do it back to me, I swear, Kate, it's the exact same where I'm just like, I, I, I'm like listening. I'm too intent on like trying to get their purpose and understand what they're saying that I, I will forget. They're like, I'm kidding. I'm like, oh, well, you maybe that was true. I don't know. But you might have to work on this because I feel like I get too heart to heart. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I talk mm -hmm. to someone, I'm like, yeah and, and sometimes that's like not the vibe you know what i mean like sometimes i like gaze. yeah like sometimes i want to be able to chill it out and roll with it and be like that was sarcasm yeah sometimes you people know? don't want you to be looking into their soul right you know not at all conversations they want you to look at every through their eyes into their soul i get now like sometimes it's great when it naturally happens to get into like the intense heartfelt but i am trying to pull back because when everything becomes that that's exhausting. That's a whole other, like, let's always, it almost becomes energy draining when everything has to be intense. I feel like when I went through spiritual school, I really got in that vibe of like, everything should be a deep share. And maybe when you need that and you're still like healing certain trauma, that's great. But I feel like sometimes it can be like, oh, I don't want to swim in those waters. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, and I feel like I'm learning how to, to not, and then to detect sarcasm. But I so avoid fun. serious and deep conversations like the plague. <laughs> That's why I like jokes. It's it's great to avoid any any sort of thing. Deep conversation. Any sort of issues. It's easy to, you know, it's the best way to run from it. it. It's a wild, like, code switching, like, type of skill to have when you can, you know, be in a mixed company 
and someone could just like throw a bunch of you know suicide jokes whatever and you're just kind of like bing bang boom and you're just kind of rolling with the punches yeah i know <laughs> slip my wrist right blah, 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 blah. but then when like if when necessary and you need to like switch it and go like yeah but like are you you know is, is, is it something that's well, been like, are, you, are you struggling with that whatever yeah. and to like i'll be able to do that so that nobody thinks that you're such a drag but also nobody thinks you know this this one particular person doesn't think that you're being like flippant and uh you know uh insensitive it's that's huge to to be able to kind of juggle that skill and go back and forth between it that's a, such a big big deal yeah and uh, i think without the light in there whether it's humor or just ha you know it, yeah. it does become almost like i'm trying to think of the right word like you're marinating in it yeah you're trying to get something out of the intense if you don't know how to make it light but i think people yes. always avoid that's uncomfortable too and, and this is literally it has been like a guiding principle when i've been writing this show which is like I, 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 I'm really trying to strike this line and I have not always found it on stage and hopefully with each iteration, I find it more and more, but I've, I've had a couple of guiding principles. One of them being like, I do not want anybody who has gone through similar experiences to walk away from this show feeling as if that I have kept this uh, at an arm's length distance that I'm just sort of deflecting and making fun of it so that I don't really have to deal with it or process it. Because look, there are some jokes, there are some uh, depression jokes and suicide jokes and whatever abuse jokes that are very funny. And I really enjoy when comics can do it and pull it off well. But nine times out of 10, it's very, um, it's very kept at an arm's length. It's it's pure deflection. And it's just like, oh, I don't care. <laughs> that doesn't bother me. Me, 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 you know? And I really had this like feeling where I said, no, 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 I want it to affect me. And I want it to affect the audience. If anything else, I, I really want us to kind of go down into the depths together, feel these things, laugh at them, but feel them the way the way you might in real life. And then once we felt it, we can kind of start to like pull ourselves out of it instead. And what's wild to me, because this is true, I would go to stand-up clubs, New York comedy club, wherever, I'd have like 10 minutes on a Friday night, but all I had was I was, I was determined that I wasn't going to do any of my old material, all I was going to do was work towards this show. And all I had was like 10 minutes of potential suicide jokes that I thought might work. And so I literally have to go up and on like a Friday night at 10.30 p.m. just be like, hey guys, uh, I, I just have 10 minutes of suicide jokes and that's it. So you just got to deal with it. Is it okay? Is everyone cool with that? Are you good? Okay, whatever. And then I would go. Or I would have to be working on like act two or act three where all this prerequisite information was already there. And so I'd have to be like, Hey guys, you know, my name's Rob Ryan. Uh, my mom's dead. She was an alcoholic and right. <laughs> my brother's suicidal. So that's where we're at. I don't have time to explain, but are we good? Are we caught up? Everyone okay? Yeah. All right. And then I would just go because I had no other way to like try to workshop this material 10 minutes at a time. Uh, but that was huge for me was the ability to be cool, almost like it, where I'm like, well, I don't want to be a drag and I don't want to be so focused and serious and looking you in the eye the whole time. Uh, but I also didn't want to make it seem like, eh, this doesn't bother me. I can make jokes about it. So yeah, that would suck to watch too. Just like all deflective jokes. Yeah. But yeah. So I'm sure you've, you've gotten the good flow of both, but I just think it's important in life, you know, not just in your show. It's like both yeah. figuring out that balance. I know I, I know when we first reconnected, I was very serious. 
you know what I mean? I had, and it's funny because I had just kind of, I was in the comedy world and I was just, yeah. just serious <laughs> other than the stage. Um, I, think I, found... I also want to bring up yeah. a different topic. It'll be related, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. uh, we got into two, no, it's not just too hot to handle. Love Island UK. Oh, get out. <laughs> what? I only want to bring it up. We don't, I don't want to get into like so the details I yeah. mean, and then Ella and Todd, like we don't have to do all that. <laughs> it's more of, I think it's the psychology of it that I find it fascinating and it's just funny. I'll let you, cause you at first, when you were watching me watch it, you were like, I'm no, not it was great this. to sit down and to make fun of the show. <laughs> That's how it started. <laughs> And then like yeah. three or four episodes in, then I was really invested and I cared about who's in love. And I was like, you can't love two people at the same time, Sammy. Yeah, you know, like I, I was, I got really into it and um, I was loving my life by the end. And we just watched the reunion. Oh, nice. Cool. How was that? And they, you know, Saucy. they fuck with these people, man. They just, everything. The producers. They can, oh, man. Anything they can do. And like, I'm kind of used to that from reality TV, but he doesn't watch cheesy reality too much. So he was like, whoa, these producers. He loves it though. Look, I'm I like, can, oh, see, look, I can hear any that. class that I have oozing out as I watch the reality shows, but there's something else like coming them. in that I like, like sweet sugar like sweet nectar that i'm sucking down but as my class goes out the window do you watch any <laughs> reality shows uh man i really do avoid them uh pretty consistently i'm trying to even think of the last one that i actually truly watched there's something about just the rhythm and the pattern of it i just can't can't seem to get uh, into it i couldn't even enjoy uh nick kroll's show kroll show uh as much because it was just parodying a whole genre of television that I only sort of like tangentially knew kind of. Um, so no, not really. Uh, I did try to produce- oh, You're a better person for it. It's why you're successful. You <laughs> like it's, it's the reason. I think that most people who just, who aren't doing anything with their lives. That's are... true. Some people just love reality TV. And I think- you mm -hmm. can get something out of it depending on which one, you know, and what's going on. I found this one, I, I'm into love, you know, and I feel like I could see who was like a twin flame and who what wasn't. Like I was studying it. Love? Sure. Yeah. Like I, I love watching people try to find love because I think intimacy and wanting to be seen is linked to our spiritual journey. It's just wanting to be connected, wanting to share yourself and, the complexities of who you are and you can't do that easily you know like i'm lucky to have you i'm a weirdo we've known each other since middle school <laughs> and i i feel like i can be my true self and i'm still healing just so i can be more and more of that like i can't wait till i start singing more as oh. i heal <laughs> oh that's a thing that's gonna happen yeah <laughs> like even though i i'm very dr seuss like like i like to speak in rhyme he thinks it's so cringe, but I still feel safe to do it. You know, so I just can't wait till Which like- he's not. I don't try to make a safe environment for this stuff. Or that's not my purpose. Yeah, but just, oh, by accident, it's like an accident. He will, if it becomes- I would rather make an unsafe environment. corny, he'll definitely be like, I don't know what I just heard, but I don't like it. Like if it's too sing-songy, whatever. But yeah. I'm just saying, yeah, I think I will be way more 
singer that I think that part of me is going to definitely come out more and more as I heal because it's it's like wounding that holds it back so and it's funny because me like creating a safe environment is the furthest thing from what I'm trying to do that's not true you did (laughs) I want it to be a judgment zone sarcasm it's very no no I mean no I mean I like to like I like classrooms where there are bullies in the classrooms and so there aren't too many bad jokes because if there's a bad joke you'll get killed ah it's interesting there aren't, there aren't too many bad outfits because if there's a bad outfit, you'll get killed. You know, stuff like that. Like That's I kind of, I kind of grew up in. That. I agree to a certain extent, but like there's a slippery slope with with the bully energy. But there has to be. I'm instead of saying bullying, I'm going to say boundary, like healthy boundary energy. Where yeah, it, you know, you don't want to get too soft where people are laughing at bad jokes because that's offensive too. Then it's like, wait, no, you need some, you know, skepticism and just, you know, keep it to keep everything good. Like art to keep the art cream to the crop. But if you're like rhymes are making me feel like I'm growing a vagina, then I need to put up some sort of, to keep my, that I'm a man. Instead of, it's hard to just say like, oh, that was a great rhyme. I right? will still, I still write raps. I have not shared my raps with the world in a long time, but I'll, I'll share them with him and he is not into them, but I'll still share them. And he'll be like, you are the whitest sounding rapper I've ever heard. And I'm like, I haven't gotten my rap voice yet. <laughs> um, I still share it. So even though you're not trying to create a safe artistic space, you are. It's so. just, uh, it's an accident is all I'm saying. <laughs> Whatever. I always liked the idea because I remember uh, I used to think that I thought it was always funny that like hip hop and like rap stars came out of the hood because that's just not something that I would associate with like being really hard and being in a gang and selling drugs and it's like yeah and I like poetry and I like rhyming words and you're like whoa 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 (laughs) I thought I thought we were about you know, slinging guns and beating people up. Like, yeah, but then sometimes I like writing down my emotions and my feelings and, ah. and you're like, bro, oh. wait a minute. <laughs> but, you know, art art springs out from everywhere. So, you know, exactly. you can't you exactly. can't keep those uh, you can't keep those hip hop artists down. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah, rap on. I that, that I'm I'm big on that. I think that's great. Okay. What was that? That's still, (laughs) he's not happy that I still want to release my raps at some point, but I'm happy. And, but when I do, it's going to be from a different space. I definitely, cause you know. I just don't want to listen to it personally. That's so rude. You're going to want to when I get really good. If you come out with it and you. You've heard it though before, right? I I know at least one of Kate's joints. It's solid. (laughs) Thank you. I, I. I um, am not very proud of my past raps. I'm proud of some of the bars, but I, I would love to sound better. And, you know, it was like my first go at it. I mm-hmm. still think and rhyme a lot. I write stuff down and I'm just not someone to be defeated. And I'm not, I'm not as obsessed with timelines as most people. So I'm like, if when I'm feeling it is in 15 freaking years, then that's when I'm feeling it. And that's when I'll do it. You know, like I'm waiting till everything feels right. And I feel my, my confidence is back, but like, you know, I, I won't ever bury dreams. That's like against my dragon sorceress beliefs. You know, I'm not going to do that. I need to backpedal a little bit. They're not bad raps. 
they're just like so girly she's such a girl cheerleader and i can't like i can't do it you know what i mean it's like oh because i'm like you want to hear my raps and then the way i rap is like very girly like Wait, gonna, now I gotta do okay. This is a drop some I still am, you know, trying to release anger. I don't want to stay in this place. Of course. But, um <laughs> I go, okay. Black hat like William. If they come for me, I kill them, then I stuff them. I fill them because I gotta make my millions. So that's dark, but I still say it like a funny cheerleader. So <laughs> well, because dark. I know her and she doesn't want to and kill I don't anyone. Actually and she doesn't want to hurt anyone. It's not, it's rob funny. their millions. She yeah. just doesn't want to. No, I didn't and say so Rob. Like, no, I didn't say your name's Rob. I didn't say I said because I gotta make my millions. I said if they come for me. If they come for me. It's you, like if you you're gonna care. come for me and try to kill me. I'm going to have to do what I got to do. Gotcha. So that's really, it's just like, if, it's like that threat. It's like, it's like a frog being a neon color. It's like, don't you come for me, mm. then I'll have to fight back, but I'd rather not. But anyway, I just chose that one. Not all of my bars are that aggressive, but I just, it's just I, an I find you very non-threatening and then I feel your raps are extremely threatening. So well, that, that's the only thing, that's the only thing, because I know and I, I live with I still you. have some anger I'm releasing. And so, yeah. but maybe people who don't live with you would think it's hot fire. Ah. Right? Those bars are hot fire. Those bars are fucking hot fire. He makes fun of me. Sometimes he'll be like, oh my God, look at the sky, it's sick. He thinks like I'll, like he'll redo it. Oh my God. <laughs> Man. Ridiculous, <laughs> it's so ridiculous. I love it. I mean, she's into it. When that happens, there's some there's some cool shit she's looking at. You know, when that because they're like overtakes like, you. Little, I do have a care bear personality. So when I try to be like, when I'm like, oh my God, it's sick. It definitely doesn't sound the way you most people would say it, but I've got my own flavor. I feel like, you know, who says sick though? Is that like a skateboarder from Missouri? Like a skateboard yeah. kid from sick just has to come from within. It's like <laughs> I'm not a surfer, but it's like surfer mentality. It's like, that's sick. Yeah, I, I, I do say sick a lot. I know uh, I got some of the kids are saying fire more and more these days. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not about fire just yet, uh, but I've seen, I've seen, ah. sick. Yeah. I'm like, well, that is sick. Uh, I also play I a lot of- I think I know anyone who says sick. That's why, like, I don't, I, in real life, I never hear it. So if I hear it from her, I just yeah. so off because I'm like, where, what community were you raised in where people <laughs> said this? And so it's just foreign to me, but I guess people do say it. But I will say, I also play a lot of poker and in the poker world, sick is almost, it's ubiquitous. People say sick a lot. Like there's a sick call, sick read, sick hand. Yeah. People are like, oh my God, that's so sick. It's, just, it's, it's everywhere. So I get you made, you made it sound legit. Oh. <laughs> it's not pretty legit. Uh, now I heard how it's supposed to sound. <laughs> I think I say it great, but you know it's the other thing too. No one's ever, no one to date, I don't think, has come for Kate yet. So you really, you haven't seen it yet. You don't really know what sure. you know dragons inside her and what can be released. So like, it's just her inability maybe to articulate it perfectly for you doesn't matter. Like it almost makes me think that like all these articulate rappers who can so perfectly describe what they're feeling. It's almost like, yeah, like, are you though? You know what I'm saying? It's, like, it's almost like they're all talk, but, but Kate's got so much 
insider that like it's it's not you can't perfect you can't tame that beast and i guess i don't picture anyone really coming after or attacking a little sweet white lady <laughs> i just she, your personality no, is not really to the no. attacks that that i felt were not that they were deserving i'm not going to say that but i'm not a victim in it i was putting out some very strong things in my stand-up in certain areas it's where i was at and then people had responses and that's fair you know what i mean and then i got to to navigate differently but i definitely had attacks i mean i remember i headlined atlantic city comedy club on a good friday and had jesus jokes um about how he was a good looking man and and the truth is if you're really a fan of jesus that's a compliment okay i'm saying he's a good looking man you know what i mean but yeah. this woman was like offended like i like she thought i was attacking her religion you know and and all that was sacred to her and all that was taught that she had to protect so you know she was attacking me on on facebook stuff but at the same time she felt attacked and that's kind yeah. of it was in a sense my purpose you know, I kind of knew I was doing that a little then, but I wasn't ready for some of those attacks. And now I don't know what I'm ready for, but I definitely want to keep expressing, but I don't want all my stuff. If I keep writing raps to be aggressive, you know, I, I think some could be in that vein, but I would like to, to maybe move to heal some of my anger inside and get to some other fun, fun raps. <laughs> like what kind of fun things? Because I think about to, consciousness, I think raps about, have to be about like, about how reality's changing and different dimensions are coming. Like I want to use my third eye vision to really create raps because then it's like unique, like so unique. You know, I want to start kind of putting in my third eye visions into my raps. However, that looks, I don't fully know yet, but I, I would like to start going to that place. Because rap's supposed to be about like talking smack to those Mark Busters. You know what I mean? That's what it's always been about. That's what it'll always be about. And so like you're doing, I think you are doing it right. It just, you I'll know, I'm not completely on it yet. You know, I'm not completely on board. We're yet. here as multifaceted beings to break rules lovingly and figure out, you know what I mean? Like what's rap to me? I know like rap has a thing. I'm not trying to completely disrespect it or anything, but yeah. I think it's cool when you're like approaching it as an artist, anything, whether it's the canvas, you know, it's music, whatever. And just saying like, what's my unique flavor in this and how can I play with it without desecrating the art form? You know, I think I maybe accidentally have desecrated things <laughs> over my life i've desecrated several art forms accidentally before. you know just taking things to an extreme maybe but i think we're all allowed to learn and grow and that's what humanity and life's about so i try to give myself as many chances as possible <laughs> and, oh. and humanity you know what i mean but i'm definitely like all right that was i put that out that wasn't hitting the mark whatever and and now let's see what i can try to do from this place I agree. I mean, I think that like if if the art form is born from some kind of struggle and oppression, then you can just change. You can flip the script on what that means to you. You know, you're struggling, you know, in this uh, in this bodily form. Right. You're being oppressed by the, the sort of constrained thought that you have before being open and free. Fuck yeah. I kind of wish that. I was raised somewhere where like you dealt with things by scatting. 
that when people are like you know and you just like how do you start doing that and just start getting good at it and that's like your thing like that you scat now like it's in a family where you scat emotions away like you i want to like i want to know what kind of culture i want to be in a house for a little while just like or, or have a camera in a house for a little while in a place where that happens because it seems like just a different it seems like a world that shouldn't exist but it does exist against all odds it exists you're gonna and have so i want to know what have looks a scatting like. soon yeah it's like a cousin of beatboxing you know drummers are always kind of slapping things around and stuff it's probably just a, a nervous energy that's coming out i saw a video of this uh kid in uh uh, he was in the Ukraine actually, and he was just rapping about his life circumstances. The kid was like, like eight, nine years old or something. And it was kind of nuts to just see him spitting and just being like, all right, these are my life experiences or whatever. And it was really kind of cool to see. So I would say that, uh, yeah, like there's an attitude and there's like something about hip hop that, that comes through, but you can't be uh you can't be like not true to your own life and your own circumstances so if you're just kind of making shit up rapping about the same things that you hear other people rapping about well that's going to be disingenuous that's not going to come off as as cool and true and real so just like speak to your own truth and then now it doesn't even matter it's just like hey if people glom onto that great if not that's cool too yeah like this is the thing like i never sold drugs but i feel like i bought enough drugs to be very convincing you know that i sold drugs in a rap yeah, if you compiled them, you would have gotten hit with the, uh, yeah, with intent to sell. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. So we're going to wrap this up. Thank you, Rob, for joining us. Where can people find you? Where can they find the show? Absolutely. So, uh, all of it. yeah, where's oh, the show? Yeah. Actually, you know what? Soho Playhouse. That's true. So uh, the show is still a bit away. So if you wanted to purchase uh, tickets for it, you actually can still. It's at the Soho Playhouse at the first three weekends in December, starting November 30th, December 1, 2, 7, 8, 9, and 14, 15, 16. It's called Mascot. Um, that is the only thing I'm pushing right now because every single day I wake up is some uh, laundry list of things to do, whether it's promotion, creative, logistics, all that stuff. Um, you're fact, doing three so you're doing three nights in a row for three weeks straight exactly so nine shows total this is a 178 seat theater so we need to fill those puppies up but other than that uh rob ryan rocks is are all my handles and then we also have rob ryan mascot m-a-s-c-o-t uh for you know just for show purposes and stuff and i can't thank you guys enough for having me on this is the first uh podcast that i got to openly discuss the show because uh, up to this point, we didn't have anything official. There were no like official dates or anything else. So I'm, you know, you got you got thank me right out the gate. Yeah. Thank you. No, I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, and I hope it's a huge success. Truly. Yeah. Uh, please come on out. I, uh, you guys are special invites for sure. Front row seats. Okay. Yeah, we'll have to try to do a whole. Do a Manhattan thing. Do a night, yeah, like go eat before. Yes. Oh, oh wait, is that how special? Is that? I was that as your idea of like the most special night. We got to do something really special. Go eat before. He's really low maintenance. It's kind of nice for me. It's very relaxed. Okay. What she thinks are big deals, um, <laughs> I can keep up. When you, I haven't been in Manhattan in a bit. So having a Manhattan, I know it because, and I was coming in constantly, but the traffic, it's just like yeah. the, the anxiety of doing the drive in, but 
I'm starting to be like, should we move back to the area so I can do comedy full time again? Mm. I, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I, I'm starting to be pulled, whether it's visiting the area more so I can get on stage more, whatever. But I, I love don't it. He's vibing with it yet. I want to get him on stage. And do it. I'm scared. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, you can scat on stage. Yeah, absolutely. Anyone who scats on stage should don't don't because you're gonna have an awesome scatter out there be your enemy. Exactly. You want Tell that to the awesome actually, I don't want that enemy. beef. You don't want that. Forget the, forget I said that scat guy. You don't want that. I don't want that beef from some talented scatter. I'm about there. I ain't about that life. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Rob, for joining us. And everybody, have a great rest of your day. Bye. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.